So welcome to episode six of so. <laughs> <In> Alignment. <laughs> and um, today we're here with Zamir. Um, not too sure about your last name yet, but we can find out that a little bit later, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's Zamir Danji. Danji? Yes. Zamir Danji. Um, so I think we're just going to go on a journey of discovering Zamir together. Um, and so far how we met Zamir was at Bonnie's studio, mm-hmm. yoga studio. And um, she told us that it would be a great idea to uh, interview Zamir, the Zamir person, because we hadn't met him yet. And then we were like, yeah, okay, sure. Um, and I personally was asking Aggie, I said, you know, Bonnie, what does Bonnie think thinks that <laughs> we should interview Zamir? And then when we met Zamir, I was like, yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> so he has a very beautiful vibration. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have told you yet, but uh, you have a beautiful vibration. And uh, the first time I met you, actually, uh, it really spoke directly to my heart. So mm-hmm. I wasn't sure exactly, even until right now, we're not too sure where this is going to go. Uh, but at the same time, I'm excited to see where it's going to go. True journey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess that's a little bit about Zamir from my experience. And what about you, Aggie? Yeah, I think it was very similar. Kenny and I just looked at each other. <laughs> we looked at each other and we're like, who is this person? <laughs> just because his vibration, your vibration is so beautiful. Oh. And so we wanted to know more about your journey and how you came to the practice of yoga and just a little bit more about who you are, I suppose. Okay. Well, thank you. I received that uh, affirmation. Um, Probably not so much for me as a personality, but as the um, outcome of of the practice or just being more who you are. I Mm. think that's what it is. When we say someone has a beautiful vibration, it's just that that person just feels natural or they just feel like themselves. Mm. And that's really what yoga is uh, ultimately about, is just being your natural state. And that's, you know, everybody's the same thing. Like in their natural state, they're kind of beautiful. Yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And uh, I think that's really what the, the journey's about. So, um a bit about you so how did you grow up are you did, were you born in Canada and what brought you to this point basically uh, I was born in Vancouver I grew up in Hong Kong and Thailand oh, wow. and then uh, went to university in New York and came back to Vancouver about 10 years ago and you were studying yoga or were no, you studying something else I was uh, not I in university you mean yeah no, I wasn't. I was initially studying uh, economics and mm. political science, and then I uh, kind of dropped out of school. I mean, kind of. I basically did, but my parents thought <laughs> I was not <laughs> dropping out. And then I, I became really, I took this one-year journey where I lived in China, and I was teaching English, and I traveled through Southeast Asia, and then went to connect with my roots in India. And uh, then when I came back, I created a degree called Spiritual Economics at Um. a school of individualized study. So then my my focus was more self-directed, and I was able to study and explore the areas of interest for me, you know, academically. So that was really cool. So that was my degree. It was a, it was a, I graduated with a concentration in spiritual economics from wow. NYU. 
Wow. It's possible. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so how did that come about? Were there any challenges in your life that happened or in your family? Were, were they also studying yoga? Like, how did yoga come about in your life? Why did you even feel the need to connect to your roots? Well, okay, I'll try to answer those mixed <laughs> questions. Um, you know, I didn't have a real strong interest in spirituality until um, basically I went through heartbreak. And then in that heartbreak, uh, I pretty much uh, experienced kind of a depression. And I had never experienced anything like that before. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was very interested in that experience of love. And it was the thing that brought me out of my shell. And it's the thing that made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I lost that, then I started reading about the mystics who talked about the same experience that I'd had, but it was about God. Mm. And they said that was the experience of God and that was the experience of one's true self. And I was like, I know that experience, but I know that about that girl. Mm. And then I was like, but they're saying that it's you and that's like inside you. And then I had this kind of aha moment when I realized that, yeah, it's not, it, it doesn't have to end when that other person is not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was kind of an eye-opening experience for me because it was rooted in an actual experience that I'd had. Mm-hmm. Um, then I got interested in spirituality at some point. Like I said, I, when I went to India, I got exposed to more about like Indian spirituality and Indian yoga culture. But like Hatha yoga, um, I'd say my first guru I was exposed to was Osho. Mm-hmm. And uh, his voice just cuts through things like a knife, you know, it just like, it just, it helps you hear the roar from the noise. Mm -hmm. And so that like really hit me. It was a book called The Rebel. And it was about, um, you know, he says that the rebel is the salt of the earth. But the way that he spoke it is that um, he gave this sort of archetype of Zorba the Buddha. And Mm -hmm. Zorba is like named after Zorba the Greek Mm -hmm. and he can dance and he can sing and he's passionate Mm -hmm. and, and live spontaneously but the Buddha is um, filled with wisdom and calmness and insight and that you know his sort of vision of a rebel was a synthesis of these two individuals someone Mm -hmm. who's on this path and living in this sort of awake free way but at the same time able to sing and dance and create Mm -hmm. because it's through the creation that we help to change the world Mm -hmm. and society kind of being in this world but not of it and he was like that's a rebel and then I was like I want to be that <laughs> so then that made me interested into like oh what does that mean what does that look like uh, how do I embrace that ideal mm-hmm. so that was a big part of my early journey and then I got a book on Hatha Yoga from my grandfather I found it in his bookshelf on mm-hmm. Shivananda Yoga so then I got interested in the Hatha Yoga aspect of it mm-hmm. But I've studied yoga with my guru for nine years now, and none of it has to do with physical postures. Mm-hmm. Um, so the physical posture side of yoga came later for me than the um, the other branch of yoga, or other branches. Could you expand on that? Because I don't think, well, personally, I don't know what the other branches are of yoga. Because Sorry, because I've only explored the physical aspect of it, but I've always felt at the same time that there was another aspect but I'm not familiar with it. So could you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, in the classical yoga tradition, you have four main paths of yoga. One is jnana, which is the path of knowledge. 
the second is bhakti, which is the path of devotion, the third is karma, which is the path of service, and the fourth is um, raja, which is the path of meditation and concentration. So traditionally, those are considered to be like the four main paths of yoga, but there's more than that. I mean, really, anyone who sincerely wants to know who they are or wants to know God, they find a way to it, and then that mm -hmm. becomes a path. Yeah. And as more people walk mm -hmm. that path, they start charting out different aspects of that path. Right. So India, with a history of thousands and thousands and thousands of years of this spiritual inquiry, has carved out these like many different paths mm -hmm. to the infinite or to the one or in some cases in Indian tradition to you and God is different from God I mean there's different conclusions that people have made about mm -hmm. this um, which is fascinating too um, but for me it came through I studied a system called Atha Yoga with mm -hmm. my guru which is Buddhist um, and I mean there's a lot of names and separations identifications and uh, I don't know about going into like all the really mm -hmm. lineage but there's different vehicles of, of Buddhism and in the Vajrayana, the path of yoga that's considered like the highest is called Atha Yoga. Mm -hmm. And Atha Yoga is primordial yoga, which is basically uh, uh, living as that now, rather than it's mm, what makes a, something higher or lower mm -hmm. is really the directness of the method. So if the mm -hmm. method is the goal, then that is a high path because you're practicing the goal rather than something to get you there. Right. But it's very difficult to practice that in a way because it's so instant. Mm-hmm. Right? You're not... You're just... You're there. You, you're there. Yeah. Yeah, And that, that uh, also requires the support of the... In the Buddhism, the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the different... Um, paths that involve the study of uh, the teachings and the meditative practices living a moralistic life there's different aspects to the path that are supportive of living in that way and so it's kind of both it may be perhaps unrealistic but I think most people don't immediately step into that mm -hmm. um, but my teacher embodies that and teaches from that place mm. um and teaches, uh, that tradition is called Hume, Clear Mind Buddhism, and she sort of synthesized the different strands of Buddhism in such a way that it does become kind of an integrated practice, while not losing sight of, like, the highest and most direct approach. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I studied. That's the path that I've been uh, walking with my, my spiritual teacher, mm. my main spiritual teacher. I like what you said about um, India having, having, I guess, developed or found multiple branches to get to basically the same thing. Um, because for me personally, what in my spiritual practice, I've, I, that's how I experience life in the sense that I don't see that anything is wrong or good in that sense. It's, it's always about where you are in this moment and where do you, where do you want to shift. So... When I speak to people, like with, even with myself, actually, sometimes I wake up and, you know, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling motivated or I'm not feeling quite at my highest. And rather than starting my day and going with that vibration, I acknowledge where I am in that moment. And then I start shifting my energy to focus 
to where I want to be or how I want to feel and then I cultivate that energy and then soon that's exactly where I am and I, and sometimes I tell people sometimes I find myself in the shower and my mind hasn't realized it yet and and then I caught I catch myself in the shower I'm like right I'm, I'm taking a shower because I'm going to work and I'm getting ready right so and and what you also shared is there um what do you have like specific practices that you do to shift your energy like is it an energy thing is it meditation is it like is it something that you have to experience because I know you spoke about um your workshop that it was hard to tell what it is exactly because basically just guiding people through an experience and people just kind of get into that experience yeah can you just so is there like something specific so for example for me if I'm talking to someone who's not having a good day at whatever moment in their day I can tell them or I can suggest at least to start cultivating something that they do actually want so if it's like the easiest for me to to tell people is usually to go back to their own memories memories that they have of whatever feeling that they're trying to get at and then cultivate that and then they shift their energy into that So with you and your practice, is there something that you do? I don't know if it's breath work. I don't know if it's like, because you said that you're not pose focused. So how do you experience, how do you embody that, what your teacher is uh, is teaching you? Well, it, my teacher calls it third eye vision, which is to keep your attention centered at the point between your eyebrows. Mm-hmm. So you learn to look out of yourself as, as awareness. It's, you know, it's a mindfulness practice Mm -hmm. so you look out of yourself as being aware of your own awareness and that puts you in what she calls third eye vision and third eye vision is a place of equanimity and an overview now um that's uh that's essentially the main technique or practice that being said in other yoga paths you might say that's not necessarily the practice mm-hmm. so you you might have different practices um, I think it's like when I do if I teach a class like I'm teaching a vinyasa class here in 45 minutes so that we're going to be doing asanas mm-hmm. and we'll be doing breath um, can you use that practice uh, in, a, in a way of developing mindfulness and um rooting yourself in the present moment mm-hmm. yeah you can do that yeah. depends on how you approach the practice but in that case you're using your body and your breath and your intention in a specific and focused way uh, and that becomes the, the the practice for you right mm-hmm. but in a way the the mental practices of yoga are like the physical practices except they're for your mind mm-hmm. you know you're developing resilience presence agility flexibility flow you're just doing it in more internally um, rather than specifically through these like movements in the body mm-hmm. right? but you can do that energetically i don't know if that answers your question in terms of um more or less like there's something that resonates with me and it's um intention because i feel like for me anyways personally anything that i do I always have an intention and um and then i i pay attention to how that comes into my life right so even whether it's my mindfulness practice uh when i'm meditating i have an intention for my day 
or if I'm feeling off, I have an intention, and I and I see, or I try to observe how things externally from myself are responding to that intention, and I try to, or I've learned not to hold attachment to how things are going to look like. So if it's something that is similar with your practice, having an intention first, or something that, you know, we can maybe suggest or recommend to people having an intention with anything that they do, it's it's still part of a a good mindfulness practice to have. I mean, it sounds like something you want to suggest to people. <laughs> I don't know. That's, <laughs> what, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, for you, how, how does that feel? Or how does that... What does that look like? You mean, like, what is, like, a little nugget I can, like, yeah. give people who are listening? Yeah. <laughs> if you even feel it, call to it. I think you need right? to be yourself. Hmm. And, and that's how it... That really, it starts a lot with that is learning to be yourself. Now, when we say be yourself, it's not yourself as like you're, you know, clowny or you're sad or you're happy or you're whatever self that you define like <laughs> this is how I am and how I want to be mm-hmm. because that can also be contrived. Right? Mm-hmm. But being yourself in the sense of being natural. Um, not putting on an air about something, you know. You'll be finding that whatever state that you're in, if you're if you're just that naturally, not adding or subtracting to it, mm-hmm. you'll find that it'll be there and then it'll pass. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, now, of course, being mindful that there are certain states that in, in expressing that is perhaps harmful to other people, and that's a whole different discussion. You don't do that, but I think for a lot of people, it's like. How can I learn to be more of myself? Mm-hmm. Now, if you go to a yoga practice and you find that through engaging your body and your breath and your mind into a particular you know, series of movements or meditations or whatever you do, that it helps your mind to become at ease, it you know, calms down your nervous system and helps you to be more natural, that's helping you be yourself. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. In the higher practice of yoga, you know, you don't have to perhaps do so many things if you can just be that Mm. but you there is of course depending on your disposition there's going to be ways that you're that resonate more with you as yourself Mm -hmm. and you know it's important to find out what that is Mm -hmm. some people it's more dancing sometimes people it's more singing some people it's more studying um, now in yoga, all those predispositions, uh, they are channeled towards the realization of themselves mm-hmm. or the devotion to the divine. It's the, and that's where intention comes in, is that you can do the same action with an intention and it can further you spiritually. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like serving someone tea, or it's mm-hmm. singing a song, or it's doing an asana, and that's where your intention becomes either yogic or a path help leading you towards yoga, or just a thing that you're doing for some other intent, mm-hmm. and and so that that I think is where intention becomes powerful. I don't know. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. Um. Do you ever feel like you have a sense of purpose or is that even something that is within your experience in the sense of 
I don't know, does purpose even exist in your vocabulary? Yeah, it's huge. Yeah? Yeah, I think, it, I mean, for, for, for so many years, I was really actively seeking what I call my dharma, mm-hmm. and then what's called the dharma, and I came to realize, you know, in the process of searching this, that they're interconnected, that there is, um, this is a much longer discussion, perhaps, <laughs> But to keep it very brief, I feel my purpose is to evolve with the whole. Mm. And that takes many different shapes depending on the context that I'm in. situations I'm called to respond to, relationships I'm involved in. But with that view, it seems to find its way through pretty much almost any situation that I'm in, Mm -hmm. is to evolve with the whole. And I believe that we are are inherently creative. Um, we, we have to express and enrich through the process of us living life. Mm-hmm. Like, it is fulfilling. Per- I mean, a flower has to bloom mm-hmm. and spread its fragrance. Like mm-hmm. it, If it doesn't, it's not wrong, but it didn't fulfill its flower purpose. Mm-hmm. Like a bee is going to collect honey and build a hive. I mean, everything has to be somehow enriching and generative. And I feel like in the absence of that, we find depression and anger and alienation or when people are not supported. And that connects with why I study spiritual economics. My question was, you know, if this is people's purpose and this is the Dharma, how do we organize an economic system that empowers and supports that? Like we're not mm-hmm. here to serve an economic mm-hmm. system. We're mm-hmm. here to fulfill a purpose that's not economic, uh, that is a deeper resonance and per- meaning so shouldn't our economic system be designed to help us do that? Mm-hmm. Just kind of makes sense. But that's not the way it's constructed, right? Mm-hmm. It's with a different intent, and different in purpose. So my personal purpose, um, I think, is connected largely in society to my gifts. So that's in teaching and in music, um, in writing, um, and uh, to some degree performance. Um, and this passion for social justice. Mm-hmm. So I find purpose in the world through those things, mm-hmm. through those mediums. And I think if you look at what you really love and what you're good at, they can kind of give you a hint of like things that you've come in with to help you fulfill that purpose that mm-hmm. could enrich yeah. and could create. Um, so I feel that. And then on the deepest sense of purpose, it's um, to, 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 to become that. You know, for a yogi, their purpose is to become that which they seek, mm. to be that. You know, and that doesn't need an external validation. Mm-hmm. You know, one might say. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. How do you feel about purpose, Aggie? It's a great question. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're still on your journey as well. How do you yeah. feel that it resonates with you right now? 
I think that I really liked what you were saying that everybody comes in with purpose and that everything in this world has a purpose in the same way that a flower would have to bloom and I've been seeking my purpose over the last few years it's been something very prominent in my journey and I've come across similar ideas and especially that that it doesn't matter what you do but it's the reason behind it so again intention and connecting to really understanding what you were brought here for and that not everybody is going to go off and you know make grand visible change but that doesn't mean that with conversation or daily interactions that we don't influence each other and create community and inspire a shift in consciousness or a shift in in any sort of thought um I have lost my train of thought because <laughs> you're also leaving on Friday mm. and um how do you feel that what you're going to explore next is going to be adding maybe to your purpose or it's part of that journey if it's even like how important it is for you <clears throat> I've stopped questioning my decisions mm. <laughs> I get feelings and I just pursue them and I trust that they somehow add to my purpose be it either by meeting people in a specific place or in a specific circumstance or being shown something different or being given the opportunity to come into myself in those situations. Mm. Yeah. I read um, a story about a line yesterday. It's a line that I've been saying for so many years, but I didn't mm. know there was a story behind it. And uh, the line is, trust in God, but tie up your camel. <laughs> and I, so the story apparently behind it is that once there was a... Um, a master and he was with his, his student and they would travel through the desert with a camel and they came to a little a town and uh, the master was like okay you go tie up the camel and uh, I'll see you in the morning and this guy was so tired it was such a hot day they'd been wandering all day he just like wanted to go to bed so then he just took the camel and took him to the stall and said listen you just stay here <laughs> okay and uh, you know talk to God then went to went to bed, woke up in the morning, the camel disappeared. Mm. And then the master came and said, what happened to the camel? He says, Dave, don't blame me. I told God three times, listen, I'm keeping this camel here. I'm really tired. You just, I don't have time to tie him up. You just watch over him, right? And he definitely <laughs> heard me because I was very, very clear about it. Right? <laughs> and uh, the master says, okay, but listen, next time, trust in God, but make sure you tie up the camel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and because he said... God has no other hands to use than yours. Yeah. Who's with whose hands is he going to tie up the camel? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> tie up the camel needs to be tied. Yeah. With through our hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think it was Osho who was saying this line, and I liked it because he was kind of pointing to that notion that 
there's different kinds of people. There's the people who just think, okay, I'll just let everything go and everything will work out. Mm-hmm. That's not authentic because mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way. And then there's the people who try to always plan and arrange and make everything work out in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't work out that way either. <laughs> so he says the third way is to trust in God but tie up your camel, which is to do, but let go too. Mm-hmm. You want purpose? Do. Create. Mm-hmm. That's, that is purpose in that moment. Yeah. At the end of the day, Purpose is only there insofar as you participate and create it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're constantly trying to, this is my purpose, I've defined it, I'm going to create it, it's going to look like this, it's going to look like that, that's artificial. Yeah. Nature doesn't work that yeah. way, too. Mm-hmm. It's emergent, right? Yeah. So, you know, but you can't just say, well, uh, life will use me for my purpose. It will just take me. It's like, mm-hmm. well, there has, there's no engagement then, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So how do you, you're, you're creating, you're engaging, you're self-reflective, create generate and then let life give you feedback and respond and then you know and and it might go in a different direction like you said and you don't know what it's going to be and then your purpose is a process of becoming Mm -hmm. and then it's that's a journey it reveals it to yourself and it's revealed to yourself in small little ways moment after moment after moment and there's just little micro dimensions of time and space that we're participating in and and that's when you can be a mystic it's Mm -hmm. just really do and enjoy being too Mm -hmm. and that's great that's, I think, in a way, Osho's vision and connects to what I'm doing now called the Mystic Yogi, which is an education platform, which is to support people to live in this way or mm-hmm. live this realization. Right? And so there's a deck of cards and mm-hmm. uh, the Mystic Yogi Oracle and then another set specifically on Raja Yoga. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea is to support people mm-hmm. to, f- to live that purpose, you know, to live with that kind of you know, gravity and grace, you might say as a mystic yogi so people if they're interested they can look that up online Mm -hmm. it's on Instagram called the mystic yogi oracle and uh, soon we'll have a crowdfunding campaign for the the cards and a website mystic yogi so you know they might hear about it or if they're listening they can check it out and they get free stuff in their Instagram feed (laughs) Um, so yeah thanks for having me on this talk yeah this was fun. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Thank, Thank you so you. much for making time. Yes, yeah. we yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah. Yes. And um, I think you also have a workshop coming up. Mm-hmm. At Sadhana Yoga and Sound, yeah. yeah, on the 23rd, mm-hmm. the so yoga the experience. Details. Yeah. Yeah, so it's on the 23rd. It's at 5 p.m. And uh, it's exactly what the title says. It's a yoga experience. Mm-hmm. So it's not a yoga class where mm-hmm. you're coming in expecting this, like, format of a yoga class. Come in open to an experience mm-hmm. with and through yoga that um, could involve other different practices. Uh, so that's what it's about. Yeah. So there'll be storytelling and breath and movement and song. And uh, so all these different strands of the yoga, you know, mm-hmm. paths, but woven together in a way that's perhaps unique to me in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And is it a series? So I'm not too sure when we're releasing this episode, but... If people miss it because of the timing, are you doing any other ones? Um, or I how will, can people can I'll do, just... We'll do more, but if they go to my website, which yep. is my name, zamirdanji.com. Could uh, you spell that, please? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll post oh, it in we'll the description. It, yeah? okay. We'll post Perfect. it in the description. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they could look up True Yoga, T-R-U-Y-O-G-A, trueyoga.ca. Okay. So that or my name will take you to the same place. And there's a schedule of classes that I teach in Vancouver or Metro Vancouver or workshops and, you know, I'm, I'm teaching. 
Mm. Around. <laughs> accessible. So if you're drawn to it, uh, truyoga.ca. Yeah. And Zamir Danji is Danji. And you'll be able to see Zamir's schedule and connect with him through <clears throat> any workshops and classes. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Zamir. Thank, Thank you, Zamir. <laughs> Thank you.